0: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We're busy in the studio this afternoon recording a heap of content with Jackson Hastings and Maddie the Waterboy for the off-season on YouTube. You can go and have a listen to, or watch, sorry, of all those episodes now on YouTube. Type in Rugby League Guru, they're all there. Last night we dropped part one of the most underrated halves of all time, Maddie the Waterboy, Jackson Hastings and myself getting stuck into that, a fantastic chat. Part two drops on Wednesday night, 6pm, but I thought I would give you an opportunity for those that YouTube watchers. I'll do this occasionally. Will not do it for every episode though. Uh, I thought this afternoon as I'm going to be pretty pretty busy with content, I'd give you this one to listen to. This is episode one of the off-season. If you do enjoy it, make sure you come over to YouTube, subscribe. They'll be dropping twice a week during the off-season. Really, really good content. Here we discuss who is the greatest hooker of all time, not named Cameron Smith. This is the entire episode. Will not put this sort of stuff on the podcast all that often. Really starting to direct some traffic to the YouTube which is something we're going to try and really blow up in 2023 and during this off season as well. But here's that audio if you do enjoy it, go over to YouTube, check out the rest of the off season episodes. G'day guys, welcome to the off-season 2022 where myself and another rugby league desperate, Matty the Waterboy, will be going through and answering a heap of your questions, taking a deep dive into the most random rugby league questions. Most of them are from the history of rugby league, real desperate stuff. Matty, welcome mate, I feel like this is your calling just quietly.
2: Oh, I mean, I do this every Friday, Saturday night in the pub with my mates, so why not? Start well, it was something cameras. I
0: started to notice that I'd get a text from you every Saturday night <laughs> at mistake o'clock saying, who do you think was the better 5.8 in 98 or something fucking ridiculous? And I thought... Why don't we just turn it into a show during the off season? So here we are, two rugby league desperate. It's funny, we're not, sure. we're not even
2: kidding. Like, I'll that, be like, literally, like arguing. I'm like, nah, I'm texting the guru. Like, <laughs> fuck this.
0: <laughs> and then I start texting my mates about the same thing. It's unreal, sensational. So if you have got any questions you would like us to take a deep dive into, we, we've got a few that we've got loaded up here, uh, mostly that Matty argues with his little fiends about at, at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. But if you have got any you want us to dive into, please send them into Rugby League Guru. Matty the Waterboy wherever it might be wherever you can find us let us know our big question for today and I posted it on Instagram the other day so I've already heard most of your responses got a heap of messages from people one that people feel really passionate about as well as a few avenues to go down who is the greatest hooker of the last 40 or 50 years not named Cameron Smith. Now, Smithy, his career was unbelievable. In my opinion, there is no doubt whatsoever that he is the greatest nine we have ever seen. I think he will be the greatest nine we ever see. If someone manages to play 400 and whatever games, play more than 50 test matches, 40 origins, however many it is, unbelievable career by Smithy, be as successful as he was, credit to them. But I don't think we're going to see anyone top him. What are your thoughts on that for starters, Maddie? Can anyone top Cameron Smith?
2: See, it's – Denon talks about this all the time, and I'm sure everyone kind of unanimously, unanimously agrees. Like, even halfback where, like, most of us think Joey, there's still, like, arguments over who's the best seven. Certainly fullback, like Slater, but, like, you got Teddy. Nine, there's, there's no argument. Like, no one really argues that Cam Smith isn't far and away – the best hooker of all time. It's it's the argument is what we're about to argue about now. The who's the second best of all time? Because that's a completely open field. But yeah, Cam Smith is straight ahead, and if anyone ever, if anyone overtakes him, it'll be in no lo- no shorter than a decade. Put it that way.
0: I honestly reckon Smithy's career is so good that if you took all eighteen years of it, whatever it was, and if you cut it in half, the first nine years, I think you could still class him as the best hooker ever, and the last nine years, I think you would also classify mm. him as the best hooker ever, which is. Unbelievable. Just to give you a little start on how dominant Smithy was, not that I need to remind you guys, he won M Hooker of the Year on nine occasions, yeah? Nine from 18 years or something ridiculous. Like 50% of the time, he won M Hooker of the Year. There's three names we're going to talk about a lot today, and they were the three most commented by you guys. Steve Walters, Benny Elias, Danny Badiris, three champion hookers. We'll talk in more detail about those three soon. Matty, combined, they won nine M Hooker of the Year awards across like 30 seasons. Smithy won the same amount as those three combined. Fucking unbelievable.
2: It's it's just crazy. And what did you say? The first one was 2006, and the second one was – sorry, and the last one was his final year of his career.
0: 2020, he's, when he was 37 years old. Oh,
2: he's just crazy. Unbelievable. Mate, just insane. Crazy. So, Smithy, Goat,
0: by far and away. And as Maddie said, it's the only real position that I think there is no argument whatsoever about who is the best hooker. And I think the other thing about Smithy is, I think he'll be timeless, mate. I think there's certain, like you look at Glenn Lazarus as a front rower, did incredible things. But I think it's fair to say that front rowers now are doing things that Lazo wasn't able to do or couldn't have done then. What Smith did, I think he would have been as dominant in the years that he played as mm. any years before him and probably any years after him as well. Would you agree with that?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, from all the footy that I've watched, I'm sure, you know, people generations older would probably argue about hookers actually hooking in the scrum, but yeah, as it, going forward, I don't see how anyone can top what Smith's already done. If you put Smith's career in the next two decades, it's going to be just as impressive.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this is why I've sort of cut it off at the 40, 50-year mark because you have got guys, obviously, like uh, Elwin Walters and these sort of guys who played back when the hooker position was about winning the ball in the scrum. Actually hooking, that's what the position's named after. As I'm sure there's a couple of young younger fans, Matty, that probably have never even thought about that mm. in any way, shape or form. But it obviously has changed. Probably from the late 80s onwards, the hooking position has changed. And, Mate, oh, I guess that's where we'll start. Benny Elias, he's the first one that comes into this conversation. Uh, 233 games for the Balmain Tigers. For our younger viewers, yes, there was a Balmain Tigers before the West Tigers mm. of course. Benny Elias, the absolute king of Balmain. He lost the 1988 and 1989 grand final uh, never won a premiership. And I think Benny's one of those guys that we hear the question pop up quite often. And I've got a feeling it might be something that we might talk about over the next few weeks, Maddie. The best guys to never win a premiership. And I think Benny Elias has to be right up there with him. Would you
2: agree? Yeah, I mean, look, if I'm being completely honest, I've only ever watched highlights of Benny Elias, but. It's funny, when I worked at New South Wales, especially with people like Blocker and, and you talk about best hookers in New South Wales history, obviously we never talked about Cam Smith. Um, it was always you know someone like Danny Badiris, but all those older people would all say Benny Elias. And they'd kinda some of them would kinda arc up if you did if he didn't say Benny Elias. He was yeah, especially in that in the in the origin arena as well. Yeah. He was he's got so many great highlights. Um yeah, it's it's hard to speak when you didn't actually watch him that much, but going off what all of those people are saying. Uh, He was certainly the hooker of that generation.
0: And for me, when you talk about hookers all time, we talk about that transition from when being a hooker was about winning the ball in the scrum. Benny Elias was the turning point for me. Uh, He was the guy that sort of... He was almost a halfback playing hooker. He was the one that really changed the position. It used to be a very old-school sort of position where it was like throwing watermelons off the back of a truck just delivering, whereas Benny Elias, he changed it completely. Standing at Mark, used to be the easiest job in the fucking world until Benny Elias came along, and then it changed everything. Your guys, like your your older-school guys, like your Roycey Simmons and Bugdens, these sort of guys – once Benny Elias stepped into it, it changed everything. He really was a heart, like a halfback's mind playing at hooker. 19 games to New South Wales. Only six games for the Kangaroos. So not a stack of games for the Kangaroos. There's a reason for that. Hooker of the Year in 1985, 1988, and 1992. Now, when he won it in 1992, Hooker of the Year, hooker of the Year that one would have meant a lot to him because that, of course, was when he was going head-to-head with Steve Walters. And this is one of the great clashes, I think, of our generation. Because Smithy's been so dominant, we probably look back at that clash for the New South Wales 9 jersey between, you know, Michael Ennis and Robbie Farrar. That was probably the biggest rivalry we've seen. Benny Elias um, and, of course, Steve Walters, Boxhead, who we're going to talk about now, these two went head-to-head in the Origin Arena, genuinely playing for a Kangaroos jersey every single year. So Benny probably played a lot less games for the Kangaroos than he probably should have because he was constantly going to head, head-to-head with Steve Walters. Now, Boxhead... 272 games, the vast majority of them for the Canberra Raiders. 228 games for the Canberra Raiders. Now, there was a period from 1987 all the way to 1994. Yeah, so an eight year period where he won three grand finals and he lost two. So he featured in five grand finals in eight years. Pretty impressive, of course. Uh, 1987, he lost. He won in 89, 90 and then lost in 91. So I almost got that three, Pete. But then, of course, the Canberra Raiders, uh, led by Steve Walters. Rick Stewart, Laurie Daly, Mal, they all returned in 1994 to win the premiership once again. So, Pretty illustrious career. Steve Walters, obviously the brother of Kevvy Walters. 17 games for Queensland, 20 tests uh, for the Kangaroos. And in every single rep game he ever played, he started in each and every single one of them. And as I said, you sort of had this Benny Elias era where 85 to 90 was all about Elias. Then all of a sudden, Steve Walters, well, not all of a sudden, Steve Walters really came into his own with the Canberra Raiders. He was the Dally M hooker, 91, 93, 95. So when you look over that five-year span of hookers, uh, those two won the Daliam Hooker of the Year. Well, if you look over that 10-year span, those two won the Daliam Hooker of the Year on six occasions. So pretty wild. Now, I know Steve Walters, obviously, a Queenslander Matty, so I don't know how much you've had to do uh, with, with with Steve Walters and whatnot, but do you have any, any memories or conversations you've heard people t- t- talk about Steve Walters? Well,
2: just for the fact that... That Raiders team in the 90s, primarily early 90s, are one of the most fascinating teams of all time looking back. Like they were that young team that just came through and then they, they lost that first year, and then they just kept, kept winning and he, he was a part of that. And you go back and look in that Raiders side, there are some like Laurie Daly, Mal Meninga, Ricky Stewart, Bradley Clyde, some absolute throbbers in that team. And he was there the whole time. He was a mainstay. So, I mean, he's, he's been, he was in one of the greatest teams of all time
0: and I think because there was so many superstars in that Canberra Raiders team, he's probably the underrated guy. Mm. When you look at, it, like, you, um, Ricky Stewart, probably the best long passing game we've ever seen, potentially the best long kicking game we've ever seen. Mal Meninga, an immortal of our game. Bradley Clyde, arguably the best forward we've ever seen. I spoke before, a guy like Glenn Lazarus, like, you look at what Lazo was doing back then, and front rowers now, they're, they're doing things that he could have never done, whereas a guy like Bradley Clyde, what he was doing back in the 80s, guys are doing the same thing now. Mm. Like, he was just on another level. And you had all these superstars in this team, and arguably the greatest team ever, the Canberra Raiders of the 90s. But touching the ball on every single play was Steve Walters. So he has to be put right up there at the very top. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards having him as my second best ever. I know Matty's got someone else, and we'll get into him now, which is interesting because... The careers of Steve Walters and Danny Badiris, they sort of overlap each other. Now, the back end of Steve Walters' career, uh, he obviously goes and plays for the North Queensland Cowboys during the Super League shit fight. He's up there for two seasons. 99, he actually goes and joins the Newcastle Knights. And, And you Knights buffs, you can probably give a little bit more detail, but he only plays about half the season. His season comes to an end. It's the end of his career. And at that point, Newcastle... Looking around their squad, who's going to come in and play nine after Boxhead? Of course, they find a kid that had played a bit of fullback, a bit of center, a bit of halfback. Danny Badiris, he comes in and he plays hooker. And, well, we all know how it unfolded with Danny Badiris. Over, what, 250-odd games, captain of New South Wales, captain of the Kangaroos. Did it all in rugby league. I'll give you a bit more detail into Danny Badiris and his transition to hooker soon. But, Matty, a guy that I'm sure you would know inside out, Danny Badiris. Tell us about your memories.
2: Yeah, I know Danny Badiris well, uh, working at New South Wales. And he was one of those guys, when I met him, I was completely and utterly starstruck because he was one of my, literally one of my heroes growing up. Um, one, of, one of my most fascinating memories of, of talking to Danny Bediris, and I'm just always in awe of him, is he's like, someone, someone asked him about his, his, uh, his lack of kicking game. And he goes to me, he's like, why would I need to kick when I can just give the ball to Andrew Johns, yeah. the greatest player of all time. like He knew his role so well, and everything that he did do for his team, he he did it 100%, and he was one of the toughest motherfuckers to ever play the game. So, yeah, I loved watching Danny Badira's play uh, when I was growing up as a kid, and I loved when he came back from Leeds and, and returned to Newcastle. That was I thought that was a fantastic moment. He's also... Many people don't know this. He's massive in Leeds. Like he had three solid years there. If you go to YouTube, you type in Danny Badiris Leeds. like they, they got a song uh a song about him that they used to sing they in do. they yeah. used to sing in the stand uh singing the stands and yeah. I mean growing up it's it's hard to you know, I was a South fan, uh we won about ten games in my entire primary school career, so <laughs> when I watched Joey and uh and Badiris play it was it was hard not to absolutely love them. I think I don't have the stat in front of me, but I keep getting reminded I, I think when uh, Joey and Bedsy didn't play for the Knights, they went on this crazy streak of just not being able to win a game. And unfortunately, that streak was broken by South. But like it just shows how important Danny Buris is to Newcastle and then eventually to New South Wales and Australia. He's truly one of my favourite players of all time.
0: And you make a really good point, and using Bedsy's words there, you know, why would I need a kicking game when I've got Andrew Johns in my team? And I think this is part of the career of, you know, Danny Medeiros and Steve Walters when you've got Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, Mal Meninga, and when you've got Andrew fucking John's in your team, you probably don't need to be the most expansive hooker of all time. Your job is very simple move the boys around the park and get clean ball, clean early ball to your halfback. So I think sometimes we sort of undervalue the roles that those guys played in their team. Whereas a Benny Elias, and I think this is why, you know, some of that, some people in the older generation feel so strong about Benny, and from what I've picked up on, is that he was the focal part of the Balmain Tigers attack. Everything they did came off the back of Benny in the way that he was able to control the ruck. So it is a really interesting conversation when you're talking about those three, all of them. I know the Dally M system isn't the best thing to go off. I get that 100%. But I think with hookers, I think it does give you a pretty fair indication of who was the best nine that season. All three of them have got three of those. So pretty impressive. Just on Danny Badiris, obviously mentioned that his career overlapped with Steve Walters a little bit in 1999. He went on to be one of, if not the second best, greatest Hooker we've ever seen. Just on Danny Badiris, I think people don't realise, like 1995, he made Australian Schoolboys. He was the halfback that year. His half partner was Trent Barrett. The next year he made it again, he he split his time between halfback and centre. So that was 1996. So he comes into first grade and he's playing fullback, he's playing centre, he plays a little bit of halfback, plays a little bit of hooker here and there. But by no means was Danny Badiris ever a hooker. I heard Joel Kane telling that unbelievable story mm. uh, with the Hello Sport Boys. Have you seen that one? Oh,
2: that was fantastic. Crazy. What a great and yard, All yeah.
0: because he was a fullback at that point. He was like an outside back. They eventually sort of, you know, sh- shoved him into hooker. The Steve Walters things happened and I'd love to be a fly on the wall or talk to some of the players that were around in that 99 season to see the impact that Steve Walters had on on Danny Badiris Because it is wild That those two played At the same club Walter's helped Badiris Badiris is the best hooker In rugby league Up until And the Australian hooker Up until 2006 He plays his last test match For the Kangaroos In the 2006 Anzac Day test The next time The Kangaroos run out Cameron Smith's in the nine mm. And he doesn't let go of it For another 12 years Until he decides Fuck it I've had enough I'm well, going to retire I, From I, footy
2: I'm pretty sure Cam Smith In his Aussie career Missed one game <laughs> for Australia and Robbie Farrah got his got his go. Something I, like that. I've
0: got so many memories of waking up at two fucking AM to watch Australia beat the living shit out of Scotland with all these guys making their debut. <laughs> and every single time Cameron Smith yep. ran out in every single game, stacked up so many. That was a tough thing for Danny Badiris, you know, from two thousand six onwards. Captain of New South Wales, granted they didn't have much success and whatnot, but he just couldn't get a bait in that Kangaroos team. So and I think Danny Badiris is the start of <laughs> A long list of guys that we're about to talk about, but their careers were just completely fisted by Cameron Smith existing. They just they were never able to reach those absolute heights. There was guys that, you know, you could have an unbelievable Dally M year and score 25 points. Good chance Cameron Smith scored 26 or 27 mm. in a standard year for them. So those three, they're probably our standouts. I think we'll come back to those three at the end and discuss which one we're actually going to choose. Yep. Other guys that you guys mentioned on Instagram, though, that are all worth a shout. The first one, I'll throw it a Matty. I'll let him talk about the great Isaac Luke. I've got how many premierships each of these guys have won. Do we, do, do we say oh, Isaac Luke has a premiership? Isaac
2: Luke has a premiership. He
0: has a premiership? Yeah, okay.
2: absolutely. I don't hey. want to
0: fight you today, so that's <laughs> fine.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, look, Isaac Luke, uh, Ravado's legend. like Pick the ball out of dummy half and beat the markers it, seemingly every time. And it's not because he could beat the markers every time. It's because he knew when to run. And he rarely, rarely ever failed at, at knowing when to run. He always got that team on the front foot. And especially, you know, he came in maybe 2007 or something. You know, the team was not amazing then, but then when you start getting people like Sam, the Burgess brothers, Benny Taylor, even Dave Taylor, like all these guys and Isaac Luke's starting that with a, a dummy half on tackle two. And then it just it just gets us rolling. He was a massive, massive integral part of that 2014 premiership. It is still the biggest disgrace in the history of the game that he didn't get to play that grand final. It's a fucking joke. Um, it wouldn't be suspension these days. Um, yeah, and the thing I love about Isaac Luke, like I was one of those absolute dribblers that used to sit in the burrow, and I used to I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I don't really sit there anymore because um, I like to just watch the game now instead of like standing there and singing. But it was super fun. Isaac Luke would always be the one player to walk over at the end of each game, clap the burrow. He, he still tweets about the burrow. Still tweets about South fans. He's, he's still a true rabbitoh heart. He's look, I know if you're an opposition fan, it's easy to dislike him because I guess he can be a bit of a grub at times. But I absolutely loved him, and yeah, he he, I wouldn't have traded him for. Well, obviously, I'm not going to say I wouldn't trade him for anyone at the time, but Cameron Smith aside. From those years, I would would want no one else as my hooker for South Sydney.
0: Mate, I think there's only a handful of guys on this list that played at the same time as Cameron Smith that you could probably say at one point of time in their career, I would argue they were probably as good as Cameron Smith. And I think Isaac Luke, he had a brief period where I think it's fair to say he was as good, if not potentially a little bit better during a brief window. Yep. During a brief window, with all due respect to Isaac Luke and how good Cameron Smith was, but Isaac, he competed with the very best of them. And, you know, he was so good with the ball, but in defense, he was fucking... Oh, he's an animal. Brutal. I remember a test match once where he went after Paul Gallon. Yeah. Like two or three times in a half went after him until they eventually punched on. He was a lunatic, Isaac Luke.
2: Oh, he yeah. He definitely had a screw loose, or maybe he was just as tough as nails. But again, that's what you love to see as a fan.
0: I still remember, I, I'm not sure if it was both their debuts, but it was the first time I remember watching him. It was a day, and I can't. you might remember, mm. it was a day that Isaac Luke carved up and Eddie Payer was playing halfback for oh, South yeah. Sydney. Just these two young guns that had come from Mascot that absolutely blew it away that day. And you sort of, you, I sort of thought from that day, fuck, both, both of these guys are going to be superstars. Eddie went on to have a good career, obviously, but never kicked on to the level of Isaac Luke. And, mate, it's something you said to me before really stood out that, you know, like he's always just been a true rabbit-o. No matter where he was playing, what club he was playing for, I think you just always tell that he wanted to be at South Sydney.
2: Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. And second to that point, he was always a true blue Kiwi at heart as well. Yep. Like he he he, made, he played forty three games. It says here for New Zealand, which is a crazy amount of games. And and I think there was a couple of years there where um, he played he was on the outside for a bit, wasn't it? Well, he? he played on the bench because I think I think it was Nathan Feen who was, was yeah. ahead of him. Um, And it was a bit like that at South as well When Jason Taylor was the coach Like Bully was off him Because he didn't give him 80 minutes And then as soon as Somewhat Johnny Lang But Michael Maguire in 2012 Isaac just went to, new, to a new level When he put all of his trust in him
0: When did Isaac leave South
2: Sydney? What year was it? 20 I'm going to say 15 or 16 Let me Yeah just after your premiership Yeah so his first year for the Warriors was 2016
0: Yeah right Fuck he was a good footballer Isaac oh, Luke I Loved him Now, another one on this list that I thought was really interesting, and I um, obviously we're we're talking about some of the best hookers from the last 20 years, so we've really got to sort of uh, nitpick. A lot of people voted for Jake Friend, which uh, obviously – You're a touch biased, being a South Sydney fan and hating every rooster's guts, which is completely fair. I've got to tell you, I was a little bit surprised that Jake Friend got this many votes. I understand he's got the three premierships. I get that. Uh, But just, and I, I think he's one of the best defensive hookers we've ever seen. No doubt about that whatsoever. But on the attacking side of things, I probably wouldn't have put him at the same level as these other guys. Three premierships, very hard to argue with. And if it wasn't for Cameron Smith, God knows how many origins he would have played. He probably would have played a fair whack. I think he ended up playing four or five in the end. I think he might have played one or two series, the back end of his career. Uh, but, mate, where, where would you sit, Jake Friend? Like, a lot of people are putting him in front of your Badiris, your Elias, your Walters, which personally, I think that is batshit crazy.
2: Yeah, look, I'm glad he got his origin debut in the end because – Was he, it only one game? No, nah, he played – yeah, he played one series, one series in, in 2020. Yeah. So I'm glad he got that because he, he sat behind Cam Smith his whole, yeah. his whole career. And you're right, like, in defence, no one was ever getting through him. You know, his service was good, but he's, he, you're right. His, his attack wasn't on the same level as someone like Danny Badiris or even Isaac Luke. Um, so, yeah, I find that a little surprising, but I guess his longevity in the game, he was part of two premiership winning Roosters teams that were like completely different teams. Mm. So I, I kind of understand why people would say Jake Fran, but I certainly wouldn't put him on the level as Danny Bediris, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, now, we mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, the big rivalry of probably our generation growing up. I know that when I was in high school, the, every year the, this conversation came up, who's going to play hooker for the Blues? Will yeah. it be Robbie Farrar, Michael Ennis? Let's get into those two. Now, Robbie Farrar, I was about to say he's a one-club man, but he's not, a, he's not. He obviously played for South Sydney as well. Interesting. He takes in Robbie Farrar, but he won a premiership when he was very young. I think people forget how young Robbie was when he won that premiership. I'm going to say he was 19 or 20. I think we, I think we, we, we remember Benji because he was 18, 19 and so young but Robbie was incredibly young at the exact same age and mate I thought the season he had for the Tigers in 05 was sensational for his age and everything very very impressive to win a comp in the early parts of your career like Robbie Farah did
2: it's funny like those you can, you can we always compared those two en- Ennis and Farah and to this day I still don't know what side I lean on for origin because like we'll talk about Ennis later I love, absolutely love Michael Ennis but I probably think Farah played better in the Origin Arena than Michael Ennis did uh, whether or not you agree he's a better club player or not but it's interesting that Farah won that comp really really early in his career and Ennis ended up winning his comp in the last game of his career uh, so it's funny how they kind of went in opposite directions but yeah um, Robbie Farrah, he was I loved him playing for New South Wales because like remember that game he made I think he made like 66 tackles like he's just one of those guys that goes in there and rips in his you know, crafty in attack, he's, he played, what, 300 NRL games, he, he was a fantastic player, and I I did enjoy that battle between Robbie and Ennis, but it, it's funny, they were always fighting for second, weren't they, because Cam Smith was at his absolute best then, and I know we're talking about origin, but it was, it's kind of funny how everyone's like, yeah, Robbie, Robbie versus Ennis, Robbie versus Ennis, but really, the the king at the time was was Cameron Smith.
0: Well, mate, I, I would argue they weren't even fighting for second. They were fighting for third. Cameron Smith, daylight, then whichever New South Wales <laughs> fucking hooker yeah. happens to win that gig. Uh, yeah, like when you have a look, obviously, I,
2: I'm pretty sure Michael Ennis, he never played for the Kangaroos. I could be wrong. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. You know what? It's so funny. This actually came up at the pub the other night. Shock me. Yeah. Yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this this exact conversation, we're like, did, did, we, did Ennis? Because we couldn't imagine Ennis in a – in a um, Kangaroo, Kangaroos yeah. jersey. So, yeah, we, look, we looked that up. He, he never played for Australia. And, and Farrah played his his one game, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure. Well, Farrah had a series where he came off the bench for the Kangaroos when Cameron Smith was starting nine. Yeah, I'm going to say 2010. Tim Sheens was the coach at the Kangaroo side at that point. There was a lot of controversy about his, his selection, obviously. And respectfully to Robbie Farrar, you can fucking understand why. Cameron Smith never took a game off. When you've got Cam Smith, why on earth do you need to carry another hooker on the bench? It was a bit of a...
2: Yeah, I've got I've got it here. So, 2009, yeah. Four Nations, he played on the bench. And in that same Four Nations, he, he started a hooker. And then in 2010... He played again off the bench and then in the World Cup 2013 and one game of 2014, he played on the bench. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah, sorry. What I meant was started a hooker. Yeah, hooker. Yeah, one game. Yeah,
0: okay, right.
2: Yeah. He, I, I always remember
0: watching that series where he was coming off the bench and Cameron Smith was starting just going, how the fuck is this happening? With all due mm. respect to Robbie Farah, obviously. I would argue with these two, Robbie Farah probably had the biggest skill set. Yeah but there was just something about Michael Ennis. You just wanted to have him on your team. I obviously not playing first grader, but I imagine there would have been no one more painful to fucking deal with than Michael Ennis. I just, I, I wouldn't be able
2: to cop it. I think as well, when, if we're still comparing these two, like Michael Ennis was at his, call it grubby pestering best at the Bulldogs. Um, and if we're having this argument and he, he retired the last on the last day he played for the Bulldogs, I would have had said, yep, Good, good debate, but Farrah definitely in front, yes. 100%. But those two years of Mike, Mickey Ennis at the Sharks where he set up about 20 tries a year, the conversation comes back a little tiny bit.
0: It does, and, and that's where Robbie Farrah did that stuff to his credit for 10 years. Mm. Ennis really found his own in the last two years or so, but you've got to remember as well with Mick Ennis that like, the amount of injuries he had throughout his career, especially in the early parts of his career, I, I think people forget, 2006, he was the Brisbane Broncos hooker for the half of the season. He got injured. Wayne Bennett goes, what am I going to do? I'm going to shift my centre, Sean Berrigan, to Hooker. He wins a Clive Churchill medal six months hmm. later. Yeah. Like just, uh, or a few months later, whatever it was. But these little sliding doors moments that you see, and, you know, Sean, Ber- Sean Berrigan's probably another guy that we should mention, won a Clive Churchill there. Sean Berrigan, he won a Clive Churchill at Hooker in 2006. The Anzac Test a few months earlier, he was the kangaroo centre. Fuck. And then in, within a couple of months, he was winning a Clive Churchill at Hooker. Like unbelievable stuff. He's another one that, you know, he was just he was almost too versatile for his own good. But Sean Berrigan, he he played a lot of games for the Kangaroos for Queensland, Hooker, halfback, you name it. He's a little bit like Ben Hunt, I guess, that he's he's probably I, I believe his best position was Hooker, but because he was so versatile and could do other things, played him in other spots. If you were to throw Sean Berrigan into that conversation of Robbie Farrar, Mick Ennis, Matty, where would you sort of sit him?
2: Oh, I'd, st- I'd still have the other two ahead of him, only because yeah. Berrigan, like, I know he played a lot of hooker but yeah. No, I- I'd i probably have Mick Ennis and, and Roy Farah just ahead. But but also, he was a tiny bit before as well, and I yes. my my focus kind of came in at the peak of Farah. Like when pa- when Farah was probably one point off winning the Dallium in 07 or-, or whenever that was, and uh, a lot of people thought he could have could have, should have won that year. Like that was when I started really drilling into to footy. So maybe I'm a little bit uh, biased towards those two for that reason.
0: The, the other name we should probably throw around, which I think I only got one or two mentions on the post the other day. Someone messaged me about him too. Luke Prittis. Uh, I think people oh, forget. Yeah. He won two premierships, Broncos 2000. Three years later, he won this unbelievable premiership with the Panthers where he was the best on field on grand final day by a country mile. He was unbelievable. You that could line. argue
2: he's the most dominant Clive Churchill player. You could definitely argue. It took it. the
0: words out of my mouth, <sighs> you bastard. That's my favourite. That's my favourite little hot take. I think on grand final day, it, it is the most dominant performance by an individual we have seen. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back and watch the 03 grand final. Luke Prittis mm. was fucking everywhere. Scored his own try, set up two, and the tries that he set up in the pissing rain. There's one pass he throws to Luke Rooney. Rooney. I think he picks out um, Chris Walker out on that sting, throws his cut out, but I was out there that night. It was. Torrential, absolutely torrential, and the game that Luke Prittis played was unbelievable. And I think people forget that he won that comp with the Broncos in the early two thousands, uh, in the year two thousand. Sorry, he played for the Kangaroos during Super League and whatnot. Maybe a couple of tests here and there, but he's another one that I think is sort of forgotten by by most people, Matty.
2: Luke Prittis, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like I, I would have forgotten to, if he didn't win that Clive Churchill Medal. He probably wouldn't even be on my radar, which is just just crazy. But he was at the um. Didn't he almost make the 2010 Dragons? Yeah, he did. I, I'm pretty sure he got a he got a contract offer to go to the Dragons, and I think he... I think... Wait, let me confirm. I think he played like... Yeah, he played 20 games from that year, but didn't make the grand final team. Yeah, wow. Mm. So he played hooker the whole year. From rounds 2 to 21, he was the hooker. And then he did didn't Can you play... see those team lists by any chance? Uh, oh. the, the grand final team list? Nah, like when when he was playing in
0: 2010 at Hooker, yeah. Like where was Dean Young and uh, Nathan Feen? Was Dean Young just just playing it as a forward?
2: Dean Young was 13, yeah. And Feen, I've just clicked on a random game. Yeah, Fiend didn't play this game. He
0: wasn't it. Yeah, right.
2: Uh, I'll go to another random game. Um,
0: well, another one of those sliding doors moment. Of course, Dean Young had a cracking grand final that year. Nathan Fiend scored a try, so. Mm. It's crazy how similar to the Michael Ennis one, 2006, he gets injured. Their their centre gets short-balled into hooker and he wins a Clive Churchill medal. Crazy stuff. Um, Mate, another name that got mentioned which sort of surprised me was Aaron Payne, obviously for the North Queensland Cowboys. A very solid player his entire career up there at North Queensland. I don't know if I could put him in this class of top-shelf sort of guys. Very solid first-grader, reliable as all hell. Uh, But could you throw him into this conversation, Matty?
2: Uh, he's not a name that came to my mind until you brought him up earlier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he played a lot of games for the Cowboys. I guess the Cowboys, you know, are one of those teams – or certainly used to be one of those teams that are kind of out of sight, out of mind, so maybe that, that plays into it. But, man, he was there forever. So uh, I, I, I guess I understand why people have thrown his name up, but yeah. I wouldn't be putting him in to the class of, again, Padiris, Farah, Ennis, et cetera.
0: Very similar to probably – that's probably unfair. I was going to say very similar to the current Manly hooker, uh, Lachlan Croker. Doesn't really get all that much respect. No one really talks about him. Matty Ballon, he was another one that was a similar sort of character. I think Matty Ballon is and was the better player. There's no doubt about Mm. that. But he's another guy. He played a number of years at Manly. Uh, They obviously had a side that could win a a premiership in any given year. I think he won two grand finals and lost one. Matty Ballon, he might have lost two. He's another guy that Manly – They could have gone into the market at any given moment to try and find a hooker. Matt Ballin was always their guy. And this is the argument. People say to me, oh, if Cameron Smith didn't exist, Jake Friend would have played 30 games for Queensland. I'm not sure if he would have. I'm not sure if he would have got there before Matt Ballin. You've got to remember, obviously, Jake Friend, fantastic career, won that first comp in 2013. But... By that point, Matt Ballin had already won two comps. I think if Smith didn't exist, I think Ballin would have got the first bite at that Queensland jersey. What are your thoughts?
2: I have 100% agree. Matt Ballin would have played a fair few Origins. He played origin in, in 2010, and he, right, before, 2010. Before Jake, right. Uh, yeah, before Friend came on the scene, he'd won 08, he'd won 11. 11. So, yeah, and he's one of those guys I'm pretty sure, isn't all, all his teammates rave about him? Yep. Like he's, he's pretty, I think he's pretty underrated, Matty Ballin. Yeah,
0: For sure. And we spoke about like Jake Friend, how he's like an incredible um, defensive player. Matt Ballon was the same. Him, oh, and I, fuck I, yeah. I would say that's why the, his teammates rave about him. I think the other thing about Matt Ballon, and we spoke about, you know, you got Steve Walters, who always won comps with Ricky Stewart. you got Danny Medeiros, who always played with Andrew Johns. Uh, you know, Jake Friend, he won two comps with Cooper Cronk, for example. Uh, when you have a look at the career of Matt Ballon, 2008 obviously he wins that comp with Matt Orford at halfback. 2011, it's a completely different half pairing. It's mm. DCE and Kieran Foran. So he did it with players moving all around him, new spine combos and everything, which oh, I think we really need to take for granted. Did he have the upside of a Robbie Farrah, Benny Elias, Steve Walters? No, he didn't. But once again, he was in two teams where you give the ball to DCE or you give the ball to Matt Orford. And I think sometimes that takes away um, from hookers a little bit. Now, let's get into some of the modern-day guys. And one that I threw in here was Apicurisau. I think people forget he's won three premierships now. He's gone back-to-back. Back. Uh, in my opinion, Penrith don't win either of the last two comps if Apicurisau doesn't walk into that team three years ago.
2: Might be a hot take. What do you think, Matty? Agree or disagree? Totally agree. He is just ridiculous right now. He's so um, deceiving at, at dummy half, and it's, it just shows it, like how he's playing at Penrith right now, how he just gets everyone... On his side, on the front foot, he's he's, the markers are just always they always need to be on their toes with him. He is an unbelievable player, Abby Corosau, and I think he's going to be so good for the Tigers. Like the Tigers need someone like Happy in their team for sure.
0: It's going to be a huge test for Happy. I can't wait to watch how he Massive. handles it. I think it's something that Kempy brings up all the time. You can probably confirm. Yep. Didn't he collect two man of the match points or one man of the match in the twenty fourteen Grand Final as well, Happy, when he came in?
2: I don't know, to be I, honest. I think
0: can be said it a few times. Like, obviously, Clive Churchill went, went to Sam Burgess, and fair enough, he was a maniac in that game. The best but
2: two players on the field were Sam and George Burgess. Yeah, that, they that's, were. I, I don't know about who the third best was. I mean, I've watched the game a million times. Yeah, I mean, he was good. Yeah. He was good. I don't know if he was probably in the top three of the game, but, like, he was. He he hadn't played a game in eight weeks. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, he he come in and did more than his job, put it that way.
0: Yeah, and, and I can't wait to see the impact he has on the West Tigers, but... I also can't wait to see what sort of a hole he leaves at Penrith because I think people sleep on how important Appy is. Yeah. Like, I, I think he is such a good nine. And I remember sitting here, you know, five or six months ago and oh, I sort of said I wouldn't be surprised if Appy's in front of Damien Cook for a kangaroo jersey at the end of the season. Sort of played out that way. But I remember at the time, mate, I copped abuse left, right and centre because people were still sleeping on Appy.
2: Yeah, I think I, I probably disagreed with you at, at the time as well. And obviously this isn't to say Cook's gone down at all. It's just you kind of start noticing what Appy's been doing at Penrith. And yep. yeah, I mean, if if I don't know if he'll play Origin next year because who knows how the Tigers are going to go, like blah, blah, blah. You know, it's obviously too early to talk about that. But if Appy was at Penrith next year, you could argue that he's probably the front runner for the Origin 9 jersey next year. You could certainly argue it. I, I
0: definitely think so. I think especially, mate, the way that – And this with all due respect to Damien Cook, obviously he's been a great player for a very long time, but, mate, he wasn't named in that kangaroo squad. No one batted an eyelid. Mm. It was hardly spoken about. It was crazy that an incumbent like him, who was still the origin nine, missed out. No one really said anything. It's going to be... I can't... I'm actually... and I imagine you'd be excited too to see how Damien Cook bounces back. It would be a little bit disappointing for him. I think he won't come out and say it, but being the competitor he is, I'm very keen to see how he bounces back next year. Now, Cookie... Another guy that not too many people mention, which I was a little bit surprised by, I wouldn't have him as my top, don't get me wrong, but I thought he was worth having in this conversation somewhere. Um, Cookie has been the Australian hooker essentially since Cameron Smith retired. He's been the New South Wales hooker for the last few years, started his career late. So maybe that's what impacts it. We've only seen five
2: years of Cookie, five or six years. Well, yeah, he, he, his breakout year was 18, 2018. Wow. So that's five years.
0: Fuck, he came on quick. He, he just arrived at the exact right time to play rep football, Well, that's the he? thing.
2: So at the start of the 2018 year, everyone had Cam McKinnis as a, that's going to yeah. be the hooker for origin. And after 10 weeks, everyone was just like, damn, it wasn't even a debate anymore.
0: Yeah. Mm. Now, obviously, we're, we're nitpicking the best of the best, but there are two South Sydney hookers we talk about, Damien Cook uh, and, of course, the great Isaac Luke.
2: Can you put Damien Cook in, in Isaac Luke's class for you? Uh, well, yeah, certainly in, in his class, 100%. Mm. They're, they're kind of similar, but, but also kind of different. Like, yeah. Cook is probably more explosive outside, out of dummy half, whereas Isaac probably knew when to run a little bit more.
1: Mm.
2: In the defensive side of things, Isaac, Luke, hit you harder. Yeah. But Damian Cook doesn't miss tackles. Damien Cook's tackle efficiency this year was 97%, wow. something crazy like that. So, yeah, you're, yeah, actually, to put it like that, they are kind of in the same class. They're kind of similar kind of different and South has been blessed to have two fantastic hookers. And I just think, I know Isaac didn't technically win a premiership, but if Damien Cook doesn't win a premiership with the Rabbitohs, you'd probably still have Isaac, Isaac just a little yeah. bit higher. Yeah. I think and, the only- and Sorry. And it's just unfortunate as well that cookies, he's been in five prelims in a row and yeah. they've only won one of the games. And, you know, the grand final last year was close than everyone remembers. So yeah, I, at, at this point, it, it's hard because Damien Cook's career isn't over yet, yep. and you know you don't you don't want recency bias, and I've always got that in the back of my mind. Um, but I think South did a team of the decade uh, earlier in the year, mm-hmm. and I think I think the fans actually voted for for Cook, but it was wow. like fifty one forty nine or something, and then and like half the people are just blowing up at the other half of people for recency bias, but also Damien Cook's such a gun, so yeah, they're very, they're, I mean, they're both guns. South has been absolutely blessed with two fantastic hookers.
0: I think the other thing that's probably hindered Damien Cook a little bit is that, you know, 18, 19, this incredible running game was on, but we'd never really seen someone run like him as consistently as he did. Mm. Then Wayne Bennett arrived. Now, Wayne Bennett's coaching is very different. He doesn't like his hookers to run all that much. So I think it sort of limited um, Damien Cook a little bit. And it also was then that, you know, when Wayne arrived, all of a sudden this left side was... Fucking unstoppable. Mm. So realistically, you were better off getting quick ball to Adam so he could put Cody in good space to create space over on that left edge. So I do feel a little bit sorry for Damien Cook in some regards because I feel like the Bunnies' game plan changed a lot, potentially when he was at his peak.
2: And and you're right, if Damien Cook... Tackles his dick off and gets good service to Isaac, uh, Isaac Luke, Adam Reynolds, or whoever the halfback is. No one cares because for two years he was making 40 meter, scoring 50 meter tries out of dummy half. So, yeah. yeah, you're completely right.
0: It's tough. And you know what? You know, the one thing I noticed about every single one of these players on this list, when I think about the Melbourne Storm and I think about the last 20 years, Cameron Smith's the main guy. Would you agree? Oh, yeah,
2: hundred percent. Like he—he he
0: is the face of that franchise. He's the guy that that you think of. Steve Walters in the Canberra Raiders side. I, I probably my first thought isn't Steve Walters. It's probably Ricky Stewart, Mal Meninga.
2: He's not even in my top four thoughts to be honest. Yeah,
0: Benny Elias. To be fair, I would probably have him as the guy that I think of when it comes to Balmain. But like, they didn't win a premiership. Mm. That changes things for me a little bit. You've also got you know Blocker Roach, et cetera, These sort of guys. Yeah, you always
2: say yeah Blocker zero, Benny. Yeah. you don't just say Benny Elias. Yeah.
0: But I think out of this list, like Danny Badiris, for me, it's Andrew Johns. they like, then probably Danny Badiris. I just always think Joey was obviously being arguably the greatest player of all time. Mm. I'd probably have him as the second best player of all time, but we can argue that another time. (sighs) But like outside of that, you know, Isaac Luke, Jake Friend, Robbie Farah, Matt Ballon, Mick Ennis, Aaron Payne, Damian Cook, Appy, Luke Prittis, Sean Barrett, all these guys, I don't look at any of them and go, oh, he was the guy that I remember that team for. Cameron Smith was the guy I remember as being the guy for 20 years in the best team in the competition, which is just incredible.
2: It's so true. And especially because he had Billy Slater there as well. And like, yes, of course you think of Billy Slater. He's the greatest fullback ever, arguably. But you're right. Cam Smith has been the face of Melbourne for the past two decades. And, and it's it's not really debatable.
0: It's it's Yeah, I can't, you know, you've obviously got Cooper Cronk and Billy Slater there. You might have... The best fullback ever there. Arguably, as you said, you might have, I wouldn't say the best halfback ever, but potentially the greatest winner we've ever seen as a halfback. Mm. I just think what well, Cooper Cronk achieved throughout his career, which I'm sure is something we'll talk about over the next few weeks as well, which I can't fucking wait for. <laughs> but when you look at the Melbourne Storm team, I just think Cameron Smith. So I don't think any of these guys were anywhere near the level of Cameron Smith. Gun to head, Matty, who are you taking?
2: Danny Badiris. Danny? Yeah, like... Maybe I have the bias of gro- like growing up and absolutely adoring him. Maybe I have the bias of getting to know him, and also he 's the world 's greatest bloke i, I don 't think that 's a secret, but he really is. but all that aside, he was such a fantastic player. I remember even in two thousand and eight, I, re- I like did a poll on my Facebook on origin day who 's better Danny Medeiros or King like just loved him so much. bled blue for New South Wales like that, that run where um, we kicked off and Shane Webkey grabs the ball, and Danny Badira is just there in his face, put a huge shot on him, bounced completely off him, but just set the tone for the game. Like, he's just that sort of – he's the sort of guy you look next to and you're like, all right, I'm going to battle with this bloke. So, Danny – he just – he had everything for me, except the kicking game, but he didn't need that. He
0: didn't so. need it. <laughs> you, know, you know what I love about his origin career at the moment? is obviously that tackle that you mentioned. The other one that I will never forget is when he threw it to Andrew Johns, he went to the right, he came with his right foot, and he threw it between the markers. Yep. That's just the moment I will always remember those two for. And I'm so glad that Danny had that moment with Joey that we look back on Mm. and go, because those two, like, another great conversation we could have is the best hooker-halves combinations ever. And I think that Badiris and Joey, I think they'd be very hard to push back on there. Mate, I, I love Badiris, and I'm similar to you. I got to watch his career the entire way through, watched him every single week. Obviously, Benny Elias and Steve Walters, guys that I wasn't old enough to watch every single week, but... The, the games and the tapes that I've seen of Steve Walters, I really do think that he has slept on because he was in such a great side. I also think that Benny Elias is underappreciated. As I said, I think he changed the hooker game forever. He was the turning point. He was essentially a halfback playing hooker. We'd never really seen it before, and I think it just it set the standard for every single hooker that has come after Benny Elias. So I think he needs a lot of credit. For me, it's Badiris or Steve Walters. I'm probably going to pick a bone with you. I'm going to go Steve Walters slightly ahead. But it is, it's fucking tight, Matty. Good God, it's tight.
2: Oh, I mean, that's why we've been here for the last 44 minutes arguing about it. It's it's just, like, I couldn't say that confidently, put yeah. it that way.
0: Yeah, like, no, I agree with you, yeah. And oh, I'm happy to say Steve Walters, but if you came at me and said Danny Baderas, good fucking luck, you yeah, know? What, what am I going to say? Oh, I was you could butthead all days over it. Mate, let's have a look, though, at the current NRL players. Mm. Harry Grant, in my opinion, he's the best hooker in rugby league. I would be picking Ben Hunt to start as nine for the Kangaroos right now. But Harry Grant, he is the best hooker in rugby league, in my opinion. Where do you think he can get in his career? I I personally think he has got the potential to get to the same that, that same top tier of Walters, Elias, Badiris. Do you think he can top them? Do you think there's a world where he could reach Smithy, potentially, as crazy as that sounds? Where do you sort of see Harry Grant's absolute highest ceiling?
2: I'm not going to say reach Cameron Smith because, like, you just you just can't say that. Yep. Like, you just don't know. My big call is, and I truly believe this and have believed this for a while, at one point in his career, I think he'll be the best player in the comp.
0: Yep, I think that's Like, fair. You, got,
2: you got clear, you got Turby, you got all that, but I reckon in a couple of years, when he's just dominating for Melbourne, dominating for Queensland, dominating for Australia – Harry Grant will win a couple of Dalliems and be the best player in the comp, and he will be up there with Danny Badiris and all that, and could he could definitely surpass them, put it that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's one of those things that people would say, oh, yeah, but he's got to compete with Munster, Husey, all these guys at Melbourne. Smith, Slater and Cronk." won a M every yeah. second or third year.
2: If you're winning, you get points.
0: Yeah, if you're winning, which they've got Munster, they've got Bellamy, they're going to be winning. They might not be coming first every year, but they're going to be relevant every single season. I agree with you, mate. I, I genuinely think there is a world where he could be the second-best hooker ever. I genuinely yep. believe. Granted, he's the next guy after Cameron Smith, so it sounds crazy, but one of my best mates chews me up all the time because the week before Harry Grant made his debut, we were out drunk, and you know me, I fucking talk about these young guys, blah, this, that, <laughs> and I said on the piss that night, he's going to be the next-best hooker ever after Smith. That was before his debut. So every time he has a bad game or makes a mistake, I get a text from this mate going, second-best ever, nice one, dickhead.
2: Uh, you, you wouldn't be getting me texts, though. In the, in the future, I put it that True. way. True, <laughs> yes. In the
0: future, I'm getting less and less Texas, no doubt about it. So I genuinely believe that he could jump in front of Walters, Elias, Badiris, but fuck, he's got a lot ahead of him. And the thing I'm really excited about Harry Grant is watching him go head to head with Brandon Smith for the next 10 years. Now, Cheese mm. has had one season at hooker, got Daliam Hooker of the Year, was fucking unbelievable. I think he's one of the most dangerous hookers ever from 10 meters out. He is just unstoppable. And if he doesn't run, Mate, you've got to commit six defenders to within five metres of him or he's going to fucking score on you, which makes him so dangerous. I think coming to the Roosters, he's going to really work on his game. He's going to really develop himself as a nine. I think Cheese has come out and said himself that he's got a lot to work on and he needs to learn the position, which he will do at the Roosters. Once again, we're going to have, in 10 years' time, we're going to have one of these overlapping moments where we're going to be talking about how he's going to spend the next few years working with Jake Friend at the Sydney Roosters and how much help he's going to give him, et cetera. So I I can't wait to see Brandon Smith and Harry Grant go head-to-head over the next 10 years. com slash weight loss. Do you think Brandon Smith can get to the level of Benny Elias,
2: Danny Medeiros, these sort of guys? It's funny, like, he's kind of different, isn't he, Brandon he's so Smith? so different, And yep. not, that's obviously not just on the field. He seems a bit different off the field as well in the best possible way. He seems like an absolute legend. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, he – and I think as well – Do you see, so they've signed, they signed Turpin today, the Roosters. Do you see Turpin playing next year on the bench? This is my number one worry about this
0: conversation. Does Brandon Smith stay as a hooker? Mm. I, I know he wants to be a hooker, but the Roosters are able to go out and sign whoever the fuck they want, whenever the fuck they want. I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up as a middle forward. The one thing to his advantage is that Victor Radley's in the team. So it makes it hard. Like how do you it's going to be tough to fit Brandon Smith and Victor Radley into the same side. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a world next year where Jake Turpin is the fourteen. Cheese might play the opening 30, 40 minutes at Hooker come off and then come on for the last 20 as a middle forward. Could you see something like that playing out? That's
2: exactly what I think is going to happen yeah. next year. Yeah.
0: And I I think Jake Turpin's a good player, but I'll be shocked if in three or four year, years' time he's the best option they've got. I think they will go out and they'll sign someone else or they'll have Junior come through that they want to put in there. I'm just i not convinced that Brandon Smith is going to be an 80-minute hooker for the rest of his career. In fact, I'm sort of willing to bet he's not going to be an 80-minute hooker for the vast majority of his career. There will be periods of time where he does, but I'll be shocked if he is for the entire part of his career. And I think that's not a negative on Brandon Smith. It's just complimenting how good he is. I think he's the best momentum guy in rugby league. So if you can bring him on as a middle forward during the game, huge advantage. Whereas Harry Grant, like he's not even a guy that you could short ball into halfback. You couldn't play Harry Grant anywhere other than hooker. Yeah, he's an out-and-out out hooker, and I, I think yeah. he is going to absolutely dominate the last 10 years. And I'm glad that you're as high as him as I am. Cause 100%. Fucking-
2: and and you, you make a good point about Smith versus Grant uh, over the next decade or so. I haven't really put those... Put that together for some reason. That is that is very exciting.
0: Well, neither did I until yesterday. And when you have a look at the rest of the comp, obviously, you like if Appy was staying at Penrith, I think for the next few years, it'd be Grant versus Appy versus Brandon Smith. Appy going to the Tigers maybe hinders it a little bit for me. Um, you've obviously got the two Braley brothers who are doing sensational things. Can they reach that level? Can their teams win premierships? I don't know. I'm not as convinced. For me, next year, it's sort of roosters or penrith i think south sydney will be there and thereabouts you got reed marty going to canterbury if canterbury can build something special over there reed he, he, he could really pop up over the next few years but reese robson cowboys reese robson at the cowboys that's a good shout that is a very good shout assuming that the cowboys can keep doing what they're doing um yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out gun to head i know we spoke about it before game one state of origin next year new south wales hooker
2: who you got? I go. I got Cook because cool. just because Appy's at the at the Tigers. Tigers. I think if Appy stayed at Penrith, I'd probably at this point I'd I'd say I'd say Appy, but yeah, I'll probably go Cook and Cook. I, I thought he was pretty underrated at the back half of this year. I, I thought mm. he did he did a really good job. Is there a world where Reese Robson brains
0: it for the Cowboys and he could get picked for Game One, or do you yep. just
2: think the, the incumbency will get Cookie in? No, there's definitely a world where that can happen. Hundred percent. We've we just lost the series. No one's no one can be safe. That's what I that's what I believe anyway, except for Cleary. Yeah. Except for Cleary. Oh, yeah. and um, Tedesco. Teddy. Yeah. yeah. There we go, guys. Best hooker ever, other than Cameron Smith. I have gone for
0: Steve Walters. Matty has gone for the great Bedsy Danny Badiris. Let us know in the comments who would be your best hooker after Cameron Smith. Maybe you got someone on top of Cameron Smith. You're fucking mad if you do, but maybe you do and we're more than willing to hear you and give you a cuddle. Let us know if you've got any questions you want me and Matty to cover over the next few weeks. We're going to try and do probably two of these a week uh, depending on how many questions we have and whatnot whilst we're in the off-season. So if you've got any questions you want us to cover that you and your mates you and your boys are arguing over at the pub at silly o'clock let us know send them in and uh, we will get stuck into them cheers legends
1: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer